1: You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
0: This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Devin Timmons of Kennebunkport, Maine. Devin will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandordepodcast.com.
2: I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Aaron Peterson, and these are their stories.
1: You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Lie in order, lie in order, lie in order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Lie in order, lie in order, lie in order, lie in order. These are their stories, these are their stories.
2: Welcome to Season 3 of These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at The Mothership Season 9, Episode 20, Empire. Nothing to be afraid of.
3: Well, what are you afraid of? That I'll try and take advantage of you?
2: Hey, easy.
3: Afraid you'll say yes? That's
2: enough. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers on Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca.
4: Does your wife know I'm here with you, Kevin?
2: Oh my god! <laughs> I would hope so. I think, and I think my first wife knows it too. Did you tell her? Because
4: <laughs> <I> t- <laughs> I'm very attracted to you. <laughs> it would take
2: you quoting Julia Roberts in order to get you to say that to me. Rounding that our panel is our special guest from the Hollywood Outsider Podcast,
5: Aaron Peterson. Hello, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm actually a big fan of the show and most of the law orders.
2: Oh, <laughs> fan
5: to, most of. Uh-oh, I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear that why that there's that qualifier
2: there. Uh, Rebecca, do you remember when we were complaining last year about losing at the Academy of Podcasters this. award? Is the, the DB
4: te- that we lost to at that stupid award ceremony? This
2: is the DB. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's Mister <but> DB, <laughs>
2: if you don't mind. It's ex Aaron is pretty cool. He is from the Blacklist Exposed yes. podcast, which is the one that we lost to. Yes. But we were, but it was actually really great because we ended up listening to it, and it was. A good better podcast, and it's yeah, you, it's better than ours. Yeah, so we weren't just, <laughs> we weren't disgruntled, but uh, uh, yeah, we were really great that a, a bunch of good guys ended up winning. And so, Aaron, um,
5: I got to ask, what are we doing wrong? I mean, it's not for me to say. I, I just
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> just know that whatever we were doing, you should emulate that more. Mm. Right.
4: Doesn't I have to watch The Blacklist? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, you'd have to start from the beginning. Actually, I didn't join until season two, so that's really when that show starts getting good. But I would tell you, I, I told Kevin this because he came by the Hollywood Outsider not too long ago. And uh, Rebecca, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but when we Troy and I were going to the podcast awards that very night, We were listening to your show because Troy was adamant that the only show that deserved to beat us was yours. Oh, true story. So
4: sweet, so sweet.
5: You didn't tell the judges that first. I totally
4: agree with Troy. By the way, I'm just gonna say it.
5: (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) Well, look, there's some like really like high-profile corporate-backed network-backed network-backed podcasts in that category, and we're both, you know, we're literally in our basement doing this because we love it, and we're just.
4: It's a win for indie, the working indie podcast man, or yeah. something. Yeah, and I think
2: you might be the last one who won that because I don't think they gave that award this year.
5: They, yeah, they didn't have it, which means we're two years in a row we won. Technically, that's
2: <laughs> nice. right. You still hold the. You're still the champion, undefeated.
5: We are going to sabotage that awards every year until they just don't have it anymore. So we're the <laughs> eternal champion.
2: So you do like all sorts of things, Hollywood and entertainment. And mm-hmm. you were saying that when we assigned this episode out of a thousand Law & Order <laughs> episodes that you said, oh, I'm very familiar with this episode. Why is that?
5: Okay, so you said it to me, and you said Empire, and the first thing I thought was, ah, it's the 200th episode, because it was the Julia Roberts episode. The only reason I could ever remember any of the Law and Orders is because it was the one episode that had the biggest movie star, well, I guess, no, Rob Williams was on Homicide. It was like the biggest movie star ever to guest on a TV show at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just, it always stuck with me, because A- the whole time you're thinking, did she only do it because of Benjamin Bratt? I mean, yes. I know she was a fan, <laughs> but really. And then you, no. then you watch the episode and you're kind of like, you're over, you're just stomping on everybody. I mean, you're just better than most of the cast. <laughs> it's just, it always stuck in my head for many reasons. Aaron, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order Detective Team. Oh, <laughs> easy. Benson and Stabler. Benson and Stabler. Okay. Nice yeah. choice. Classic pick. Yeah, Benson is very, I mean, she she sympathized. She was warm and genuine and always kind of charming in her sarcastic kind of way. And Stabler, just the irony of his name because he's so unstable and <laughs> unhinged. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And who's your favorite
2: prosecutorial team?
1: Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team.
5: Uh, this one. McCoy and Carmichael. I, I love Angie Harmon. I always have. I don't know what it is. There's just something about her raspy, smoke, three-packs-a-day voice. And then you've got <laughs> Sam Waterston, who's got that thing where some days I thought he was just the greatest actor on television, and some days I didn't, I thought he was underqualified for an after-school special. So this, <laughs> I can never d- decide. Is he great or not? I don't know. Like where he appears to be having a stroke. Yeah. he's just like,
2: Oh, the justice system.
5: <laughs> he has like a Jimmy Stewart stroke. Yeah, yeah. I
4: think this is the first time we've had a guest on who has my favorite prosecutorial team as his favorite prosecutorial team. I'm so glad you're a Carmichael fan. Oh, been, I love her. Yeah, so do I. So do
5: I. Well, the two of you can share the same whiskey that uh, she probably drank. <laughs> she's, she's still smoking cigarettes. Like her voice, I, I swear, she had to have a tracheotomy or something. <laughs> All right, let's look at the first half of this
2: episode. Law & Order Season 9, Episode 20, Empire. A shirt-cocking rich man stumbles into a restaurant and drops dead of a heart attack. Quick, call Briscoe and Curtis. They go to Gilbert Sanderson's place and find a woman's pair of panties. Aha! huh Obviously, a crime has been committed. The Emmy finds signs of fun play, a 1,000 milligrams of Viagra in his system.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, after a certain age, there's two things a guy has he doesn't want to screw
0: up. Uh, his golf swing and the remote control. His heart and his, you know, plumbing. I mean, you're careful unless you're just plain stupid. His cardiologists warn him.
1: Plus his GP in Scarsdale. They both told him taking Viagra with his condition was
0: suicidal. So maybe somebody slipped it to him.
2: Sanderson is rating bonds for a proposed football stadium for billionaire Julian Spector. On the night in question, Sanderson had been at a charity event at Spector Tower. Who did he leave the party with? Enter the pretty woman herself, Julia Roberts, as Katrina Ludlow, fundraiser to the stars. After some serious eye raping of Curtis, she admits to a quickie with Sanderson. So is there even a crime here? If Sanderson downgraded Specter's bonds, the football stadium would not happen. Well, that's good enough for Carmichael, who says, let's try to indict the city's richest, most powerful man for boner murder. <laughs> Schiff can't believe how fucking stupid everyone is. <laughs> he dials off the top of his head Specter's phone number and invites the billionaire over for a chat. But not only does Specter decline to talk about Sanderson's death, he literally leaves in a helicopter. <laughs> okay, so 200th episode, they do want to celebrate with a bang. Does uh, this episode feel special? Does it feel different than 199 and 201? I, I mean, mean, other than Julia Roberts, I don't know. Other than
4: Julia Roberts, no. And that's what's interesting about it is it's unremarkable in so many ways. I mean, the your point that why were the murder cops at the scene where everybody just would have assumed this guy had a heart attack? it's obviously like a hoity-toity restaurant, as evidenced by the two women in the cold open who talk like nineteen forties New Yorkers in a, like a movie and not like real people. Oh, you
2: mean Mrs. Thurston Howell the third and Mrs. <laughs> exactly. Thurston Howell the fourth?
4: Exactly. Tonight I'm going to go to bed with a Frenchman, oh, Proust. I'm sure
3: you read his cliff notes at Vasa. I know who Proust is. He invented that cookie, right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in in any other, like, situation, obviously in this restaurant, they would just, you know, get the body out of there as quickly as possible and not do this. Uh, so, no, it's, it's not particularly remarkable. And I'm not 100% sure that... The plotting of this episode even makes sense, so in that way, it's very much like many Law and Order episodes.
2: Yeah, Aaron, we had an episode where Curtis was upset because the murder victim was a horse. <laughs> and that was
4: Frisco, wasn't it? No,
2: no, Curtis was—he was upset. He's like, <laughs>
1: You want me to question the horse's friends and neighbors, find out if maybe he was having some problems in his love life? It's a nothing case. So this is
2: a nothing case, right? Yes. And now they've just been apparently sent in the middle of the night to a restaurant for a guy who had a heart attack and he doesn't even blink.
5: <laughs> Dumbest plot of, I think, the first 200 episodes. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> the entire, the, the whole time, because I rewatched this, obviously the last time I saw it was when it aired. And I'm rewatching this going. This isn't as good as I thought it was, because this doesn't make any sense at all. Why Why is homicide, why are they even showing up? And what is with the maitre D's accent? See,
1: si, there's a doctor. Please, uh, is there a doctor? Please. Is it Italian? <laughs> is, is it French? French? <laughs> I guess. What, what is Portuguese, going on? Uh, yeah. yes.
5: there, there's no crime here. There's, there's nothing to investigate. In. This episode should have been three minutes long. That That's yeah. it. He had a heart attack. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, but they're also like... Are these
2: your panties?
4: <laughs> and uh, Van Buren makes a John Cheever reference early in the episode, which, I don't know, is supposed to elevate it make it a little more literary. Mm. And, I
2: mean,
4: there seemed to be a lot of really ham-fisted attempts to elevate everybody because Julia Roberts was on set. And it really didn't work. They picked the wrong script or something. Uh, we can talk about like I'm still trying to figure out how they got Julia Roberts to do this. Like, period. I mean, we talked about obviously she was dating Benjamin Bratt, but like, did Dick Wolf go to Benjamin Bratt and say, "Hey, can you do me a favor and see if your girlfriend would be on yeah. the show?" Like, I was I'm so distracted thinking about how this even hey, happened. Do
2: you think she'd be okay working for minimum
5: wage? <laughs> <laughs> you think she'd mind being a prostitute again? Because I mean, it's kind of what the character is. <laughs>
2: Uh, too bad I haven't finished this new show I have in development called SVU. <laughs> She'd be a great victim. So they're still trying to figure out, I mean, whether or not um, Mr. Sanderson even had sex, uh, you know, or if he did, who was around. And I'm just like, did nobody check his penis? <laughs> Right. I mean, they couldn't swab it. I mean, they were right there. Yeah, they were right there. Yes. It wasn't like they had a difficulty finding
5: it, right? Well, no, it would have been straight straight up, right?
2: Straight up, at attention. Right
5: right there. That's what good detectives do. That's the problem with this case. That's why they're not my favorite team. (laughs) <laughs> always inspect the penis you don't waste time you go straight to the penis when a guy's got his pants done.
1: Uh, Benson
5: and Stabler definitely would have approached this differently that's
4: right that's right they, they have no problem with peen whatsoever right.
5: Stabler that's would have right. punched the penis for no reason he just would have been it angry just- rrr, rrr, my family <laughs>
4: I'm thinking about Kathleen oh rrr. damn it.
5: <laughs> get Munch to roll some
2: ink on that I want a penis print
4: <laughs> Munch is already complaining what the privacy issues right. involved. Well, you know how, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know how like they use a thermometer to test like the time of death? Yes.
4: Well, mm-hmm. I think
2: they might just have like a ruler and they'll just watch the penis lose its <laughs> turgidity and say, Oh, well, based on this four hour erection, he took this pill two and a half hours
4: ago. <laughs> You'd think. You would think.
2: Well, that's the scientific way of doing it.
5: Oh, and what are, what are with the forced one-liners in this one? What is it? Um, looks looks like looks like he got something straight. He got something straight. That's what I think. Exactly. Lenny dropped that once,
4: <laughs> what? <laughs> what does it even mean? What does
5: even what mean? it even <laughs> mean? <laughs> because because you can't say
2: boner on on network television in 1999. I don't, I don't know.
4: Don't know if- I, I definitely couldn't figure it out. I was like, was it a, a joke about him not being gay? It was very difficult to figure out. Oh no, out.
2: and then he got it up.
4: Yeah. Okay. Thanks for explaining. And then it then he me. went.
2: He went from six to twelve. If you know. What
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's our very special guest star,
2: Ms. Julia Roberts.
4: Yay! Who's that?
2: Who's,
3: yeah. <laughs> is that a hey, it's that girl? I heard he had a massive coronary. You did? Some friends of mine were at Il Bidone. The East 60s is a very small world. So we're told.
4: You know, we were talking about this uh, when I was re watching the episode last night. You know Aaron's right when this episode came out what year was it
2: 1999
4: All right she was I mean you could argue that it, in the last you know few decades she's probably been like if, if you think about like A list Hollywood actresses she probably held that role of number 1 mm-hmm. highest paid most famous like, for for much longer than actresses tend to do. You know, women obviously get the shaft when it comes to longevity in Hollywood. But Julia Roberts is still incredibly famous, right? Mm -hmm. And this was a time where, like, A-listers were not on TV. And yet, uh, I will say one thing about her being on the show, and I feel like I can because I'm the only woman here with (laughs) two men. Uh, Maybe it's the HD factor that we now have that didn't exist in 1999, but she looked really Kind of weird (laughs) this whole episode. (laughs) Sort of add a texture, out a place. Like her Hollywood makeup lady didn't come with Uh, her.
2: It's New York TV lighting. Something, yeah.
4: Something was a little off.
2: You mean like wearing those Roy Orbison glasses? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Aaron, what do you think about Julia here as maybe breaking the seal on an (laughs) A-lister?
5: I think she could have chose better. I, I mean, it's not like she couldn't pick which script she wanted to do, and. I know, like historically, I, I I looked this up before before the show. She wasn't a huge fan of it, of the script. They didn't think they they had gotten it right or where they wanted oh. it to go. But I don't. I mean, walk away. <laughs> if I read the script, I would have laughed out loud. I don't know how they got her, but in terms of Ayla <laughs> stars, oh, we know I'd, how we got her. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. he uh, honey, would you really do this thing for me? Because I really want to leave the show, and the only way I'm going to do that is if I get famous real quick before the end of the season. Can you come on? <laughs> That's what happened. It, uh, she is a great actress. I, I firmly believe that, and I think she did a fine job in the episode. I just don't think the show was that good.
2: <laughs> now, Rebecca, I might have to like think back through all nine seasons, and there were a lot of – Hey, it's that, guys. Hey, it's that, girls. We saw a lot of people before. They were famous. Yes. But I'm trying to really think of maybe this was the point where when we saw somebody who we could name, Mm. that it became reflexive that that's the person who did it.
4: I don't know. I just remember a million times because nobody times, big
2: was going to come on the show just to right. be the but, but, victim. But right? big
4: is relative, right, on yeah. the Law and Order universe? Because before this, like Michael Gross would show up, and you'd be like, "Oh, he did it," you know, <laughs> the guy, family, family, <laughs> or, or like family Cagney or Lacey would show up, and you know, it would know it was one of them. You know, it's like definitely relative. And I think that I, I think it's telegraphed at the you know pretty early into this episode that Julia Roberts is not what she's pretending to be because she does all these like furtive looks to the side with a little sneaky smile, and I, don't, I think, like, we, we see that. Julia, we can see you doing that. Um, so I don't think that we're supposed to think she isn't involved, are we?
2: I, 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 I don't know. I don't know.
4: <laughs> I mean, she, this is the thing. The first time we see her, and in every scene, the first time we see her, she is wearing, like, a light pink sweater with a visible black bra underneath. That mm-hmm. is a tell in every law and order when you can see someone's bra that they are up to no good.
2: Even the guys? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. of course, we know, well, we knew then <laughs> and we know now that uh, Julia Roberts and Benjamin Bratt were, were a couple. <laughs> so... Does that is that perceived the way we see these two characters interacting in an interview? I mean, does that just pull us right out? Can we just believe that, okay, this is Ray Curtis talking to
5: somebody who looks like Julia Roberts? <laughs> no. Th- this is ridiculous. I mean seriously, what I don't understand okay, there's two there's two <laughs> there's two problems I have with the entire dynamic between those two in the show. One, Curtis. It doesn't seem like a dumb cop, but he acts like one throughout the episode. <laughs> and if you've dated at least two women in your entire life, you've seen how this all plays out. The second she starts eye humping him, and you know you're like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm a cop! Stop! Stop! Back up! Back up! Back up!" You just need to pull a Jordan Peel and get out. I mean, <laughs> I just don't understand what is going on in that in the, in his head. And the other thing is. I don't understand her character's logic. Is it to just, I want to keep manipulating everyone, and that's going to get me out of this stupid plot? I don't, I mean, I, I just, I'm so confused by the dynamic and what happened here, and it still frustrates me.
4: They
2: just have to find a way to keep her around for the second act.
4: Yeah, and I think this is a great example of, and you know, we've heard this before that old thing that like people who are together in real life have like no chemistry on screen Absolutely. <laughs> and we're supposed to be looking for, for a it. Podcast. I mean, you can't not look <laughs> for it because you know that they're dating. And I think that when Julia Roberts and Benjamin Bratt started dating as a viewer, I can only speak for myself that was really the first time I ever noticed that Benjamin Bratt like might be handsome in real life, like because you don't he he wasn't oh. cast as like the handsome guy. He was you know the new partner is uh-huh. kind of how he was brought on and the he, first
2: one with the cell phone by the way
4: yeah. <laughs> right and so that was kind of the first time we noticed that and and I've said this on the show before after he started dating Julia Roberts in real life he started looking different on the show he started playing the handsome cop. And in this episode, he's both playing the handsome cop. He's there with his real-life girlfriend. They have zero chemistry, and it's literally all I can look at in any scene where the two of them are present together.
5: Yeah, I would agree. I love my wife. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love my wife who has MS <laughs> We'll get to that part We will get to
5: that part Here's the biggest problem I have Especially when it comes to law and order in any show The reason why smaller cast members or guest stars work Is because they don't det- distract from the show Julia Roberts is a 100% of distraction this entire episode Because yep. the first time you meet her You know she's going to be a bigger part Because they don't have Julia Roberts stop by To just do five minutes and leave And then you know you can't do anything without thinking that's Julie Roberts through the entire episode. It's just, it's a problem, I think, for for this show and any show that has a big star. Totally yeah. but, they,
2: but they sold a fuck lot of um, Mercury Cougars <laughs> after uh, this one aired, right? Because it was big ratings getter. And really? They must have made a billion dollars from the, the advertisers.
4: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I still don't think it was worth it. It was a stain on the franchise.
2: A stain on the <laughs> franchise. Now, we do have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's... That guy. Now, we've seen him before and talked about him before. We do have Edward Herman. Mm-hmm. Our concern is a young woman who was expelled from Briarcliff because she falsely put on her application that she was a member of the Astor family. Um, Grandpa Gilmore. Grandpa Gilmore. Uh, but he is not our Hey It's That guy. The actor who plays Julian Specter. Can anybody name him?
4: Nobody's totally Hey It's That guy. I wrote it down in my notes. Hey, it's that guy, Julian I Spector.
5: Know. I know. Who is I it? Know. Who is Daniel, it? Daniel is it Daniel Patrick Kelly? It's Hardcastle McCormick, I know that. It's Daniel
1: Hugh Kelly. Nice Hugh Kelly. The whole point is to destroy the other guy, but you know that. That's why all our friends are gonna pony up three hundred grand a season for the best corporate boxes, so they can get the best view of the carnage.
2: He's had six Law and Order appearances, including SVU and Law and Order LA. Mm. Uh, which but, I've
4: never seen. I'm not going to lie. Nobody has. So, <laughs> uh,
2: but he most famously played Councilman Kevin Crossley, the corrupt politician that Logan punched, which got him exiled to Staten Island and off of Law and Order.
4: Hmm. And he hmm. apparently was in Hardcastle and McCormick.
2: He was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> which I, I that show. I completely forgot
4: existed.
2: <laughs> was he Hardcastle or McCormick? He was McCormick. Oh, he looks like a McCormick, right?
4: Uh, he doesn't look like
2: a hard castle. He looks like
4: a hey, it's that guy he so he looks like, like, hey, who like, that, like yeah. randomly spoke Japanese in this episode. Which was fun?
1: Yeah. yeah, let's talk
2: about this this character, Julian Spector. I mean, apparently when you go visit him, he's always standing over his little dollhouse.
4: <laughs> yeah, he's classic, like, I have so many things to do even though the homicide detectives are here talking to me. I, I know that you're murder cops, but I have a drink to pour. I know that you're murder cops, but I have to straighten out the little tiny goalposts in my little tiny stadium that I'm going to build. I know your cops are here, but I just need to finish this phone call in Japanese and talk about the Nikkei
2: yeah.
4: before I can engage with you you classic
2: aaron of course when they finally do come to arrest specter in his office it's right as he's presenting the stadium
5: to a group of investors <laughs> yes absolutely this is exactly when you would do it for a rich filthy rich white man in new york yeah
2: yeah you know an intern wouldn't be able to get in to bring in a, a bottle of water at that moment but these two cops can just walk right in say no no no, no. don't wait don't wait I'm playing with my dollhouse.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say there's, there is another, and this happens all the time, and I keep noticing it when we watch these old episodes. There are so many Trump references in these old Law & Order episodes. I mean, the building that he's in is Spectre Tower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no other real estate developer in New York. I mean, they don't have, they don't have a Helmsley Tower. Like, it's Trump Tower. Yeah. I mean, And it seems like he is the... A reference point for all of these rich characters. Always, there's always some reference that you ties him back as the as the viewer. You know, and a and New Yorker like you're like, oh, there there's some Trump reference there. They they don't know how to frame rich people other than that way.
2: Yeah, either there's a character who's based on the real estate developer Donald Trump, or in some. Piece of dialogue, Aaron, someone will mention, ah, oh, Trump was here to sort of, you know, give the appearance that uh, this was something rich, hoity toity important, something
5: like that. Well, I mean, it's the easiest thing for people to reference. So, if unless you happen to be a New Yorker, you probably wouldn't recognize most other people. So, I, yeah. I get why they would go that route. What I don't get is it when he came to the DA's office to talk to him, you know, because they're buddies or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he flew the helicopter? Where did he land it? On the roof? or
1: <laughs> Jules, my people have some questions I want to ask you. You know, I'm really sorry, Adam, but my helicopter's waiting. Listen, It's great seeing you again. Yeah. <laughs> they have a helicopter. at the DA's office? My helicopter's waiting for it. yes. Yeah, he
4: was going up to Chelsea Pier or whatever the, wherever the heliport is down by the World Trade Center. But he uh, also... Apparently, they're both Columbia grads. That's how they know each other. But, like, I know they didn't graduate in the same year.
5: (laughs) No. You and my grandfather went to school together, (laughs) eh? That was Hardcastle McCormick.
0: (laughs) Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs
2: All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Lorelai's father, Herman Munster, gets a judge to block McCoy from even convening a grand jury to look at Julian Spector. Katrina Ludlow calls Ray because there's just no one else she can trust.
3: (laughs) I have a piece of insurance. You get me out of the city. You guarantee my safety. I'll tell you what it is.
1: need my help to run away?
3: Julian knows everybody I know. Here's my pager number if I don't hear from you by tomorrow morning.
1: No, no. I'll call you.
2: <laughs> Sorry. God. Once safely stashed in a cheap motel, Katrina gives Curtis a secret tin filled with Viagra that she was given by Spectre to slip to Sanderson. Curtis tries to kill his own boner by calling his dying wife. <laughs> Katrina admits her unrequited attraction to Ray before she retreats to the bathroom for the comfort of a pulsating showerhead. With, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. I don't. With the trial <laughs> of the billionaire <laughs> back on. If you don't know by now, I'm not telling you. With the trial of the billionaire back on, Katrina gets destroyed on the stand, exposed as a liar, and damaging the prosecution's case. Carmichael wonders if that was the play all along. They collected $7 million at that fundraiser, but only two went to the charity. It was Spectre's payoff to Katrina for sinking the criminal case. McCoy refuses to cut her a deal, so she threatens to tell the jury that Curtis tampered with the Viagra she gave him, but he didn't need them. (laughs) Wink, wink, wink. (laughs) On this stand, Curtis defends himself both as a cop and as a husband. The jury convicts Spectre for, now let's get this straight, for instructing a woman to give a financier a fatal dose of Viagra. (laughs) But the joke is on us. Spectre got the financing for the stadium that breaks ground. Tomorrow. (laughs) And (laughs) Katrina taunts Ray with the ass he'll never be able to tap. Hmm. Okay, so the plan is to make the killing look like a heart attack. So why do you leave your panties behind? Because I'm just saying I think you would recognize, I think you would remember and notice that you don't have your panties on.
4: I think. Not like
2: leaving a bobby pin.
4: That we are supposed to believe. Yeah that everything in this episode was by design by Julia Roberts for some reason. Mm -hmm. And yet, they never really explain what the hell is going on. I mean, is she going to jail at the end? I mean, it's not really ever clear. There's just a lot of winking and nodding and furtive smiling and triumphant looks in the courtroom, and you're like, what? I don't—I just don't get it. And the whole reliance on— A claim that a cop would tamper with a chain of custody as being like an ace in the hole. Like, it makes no sense. The whole thing makes no sense. The panties are just a small detail that makes the part. It's it's part. And also, by the way, she says her encounter with him was only half an hour. WTF?
5: Well, I mean, there's. <laughs>
4: I mean, what? Even Yay, with the bill, don't
5: knock the half hour encounter. Okay, that happens. <laughs> yeah.
4: They're not married, for Christ's sakes.
2: <laughs> what do they? What do they talk about the other twenty five minutes? Um, so, so Aaron, <laughs> you dumb. know. <laughs> so Aaron, uh, I guess her plan is here's the Viagra. Uh, maybe I shouldn't just give you the Viagra if I'm trying to screw the case over.
5: How? <laughs> Does that proof murder in any world that you're familiar with? I don't. So hey, I gave you some Altoids. That's murder. What? Right. Yeah. I, it's, how did he know like, exactly how much to give him? How did he know that's uh, wh- How much research is he doing on his penis? I don't understand how any of them knew <laughs> what to give this guy. It's just bleh, I don't get it. But
2: it's not like those are the last six Viagra pills in the world, right? And it's, it's like. <laughs>
4: And it's also like, is the whole plan to get him off, to get Julian off of this murder rap? I mean, is that the whole plan? I think
2: the Viagra was to get him. Never mind. No, I know. <laughs> but why
4: Like, why the evidence part at all? I mean-
2: Yes. I, yeah. If you wanted to get away with it, you just hide plan. the evidence. You don't give the evidence <laughs> and then threaten to say it was tampered with.
4: Right. Exactly.
2: And I'm going to go on the stand and lie. Apparently she also
4: wanted those two nights with Ray in that shitty motel very badly.
2: It was part of her master plan. Well, let's go to that scene in the motel room. Katrina is begging Ray to stay, getting him to open up.
3: Is there something the matter with your wife?
1: Yeah, she has MS. She has good days and bad days. Today is not such a good day.
3: I'm sorry. This may sound dumb, but how do you live with that?
1: We pray a lot.
3: And do you think about what you'll do after?
1: No. We just concentrate on the time we have together. I just hope if and when it does come that uh, it's peaceful.
2: I actually kind of liked this scene um, because, and we have sort of, you know, rolled our eyes about season seven before, which was the let's get to know these characters better Mm -hmm. and everybody has a tragic storyline that goes throughout the season. And nobody really liked that, but I did like seeing Ray. I, I don't want to say open up, but but expand a little bit on his character and talk a little more uh, about you know who he is and develop the character. Ironically, four episodes before he leaves the show.
5: Anybody with me on that?
4: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, no really. I mean, I,
5: I did I did like hearing about the wife with MS and everything else, but all I kept thinking was. Why are you still in that room? Why why haven't you gotten a room next door? Everything about this woman is everything you need to get another room for. And call your wife and take pictures of yourself in the room by yourself. <laughs> do video if you can. I, I know they only had she had a pager, so it was a while ago. There's no Skype, but do something that cements your position in the other room because the fact that he stayed there, just I was a hard thing to get through because by that point she had lied so many times and told so many different variations of the story, I I would not trust myself to be in that room with that person because she was dangerous. So it was hard to to buy that. I do like the point you brought up that she did give him her pager number, which I thought was hysterical.
4: (laughs) Ray, like, really needs to let go of this thing that happened with Jennifer Garner. Like, he offers up that information all the time to everyone (laughs) when no one wanted it or asked for it or asked about it. Like... He really I, hung up on that.
2: I cheated one time. Yes, we with all With this super hot college girl. Who wanted who, to show me
4: her record collection. Her record collection. <laughs> but I dropped the needle. No, but like nobody asked. Like Julia Roberts didn't ask the whole question on the stand. He could have just done the whole I love my wife thing without saying, oh, and by the way, I cheated with her on with Jennifer Garner after we went to mm-hmm. the park that one time a million years ago. Like he's really into telling that story.
5: If I had an affair with Jennifer Garner, I'd. To probably tell it on the stand, too. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd be talking about it today as well. Yeah.
2: Um, now, you basically, you've transitioned right now from the motel scene to the cross-examination. Right. Which, again, is, you know, a showpiece for Benjamin Brad. And I liked his performance here in this scene. Detective, didn't you tell Miss Ludlow that you hoped your wife would go in peace?
1: My wife has multiple sclerosis. She's in a lot of pain and it's getting worse. What I told Miss Ludlow, what I meant was that if the condition got worse, I just didn't want it to, no. She suffered enough already. Is that a yes, detective? I love my wife more than my own life. I betrayed her trust once, just once. But with her love and with God's help, Your Honor, would you direct the witness
2: to answer the question? I haven't been unfaithful to her since. Rebecca, you've always sort of been cool to Curtis. Curtis, what did you think about this scene? I really, I really want to know.
4: I am cool to post Julia Roberts, Curtis. That's what well, I've always said. I liked Curtis before he started dating Julia Roberts in real life. I think
1: <laughs> she okay. ruined him. She ruined I, him. I okay, see, all right, fine. Here's what tell I me see. this scene though. Here,
4: here's what I see. I see Benjamin Bratt acting so hard, so hard, practicing all of his acting chops, so that Americans can look at him and think, "I do belong with Julia Roberts," and yeah. that is all I see when I watch this scene.
5: Yes, yes. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that what you see? Uh, I'm kind, man. I'm kind of with you on this one, Kevin. I actually thought that was probably, you know, his best performance maybe in the whole, whole series, honestly. I know. It took a while.
2: I thought it was a really good scene.
5: I did, too. I don't find him to be a very good... I'm with you, Rebecca, on every other episode and most of this one, but that one <laughs> scene that one scene, I actually f- found pretty genuine in terms of his acting.
4: I, I really liked, you know, one thing that we see in this episode that we don't see in almost any Order episodes uh, is the scene of McCoy and Carmichael prepping... Uh, Julie roberts for court how many pills did mr specter give you six
3: he said to only give him don't extemporize. keep your answer short and sweet and stay on point okay sorry six and where did this exchange occur in mr Spector's house in the hamptons where in the house in the upstairs now you're coming off as evasive I'm not hiding anything.
4: It's just so intrusive.
3: you will have to grow a thicker skin. Mm-hmm.
2: We
4: never see trial prep scenes. That was fun. Well,
2: it's because it's Julia Roberts.
4: It's true. They mm-hmm. want to get her in as often as possible, like just show her over and over and over again. All right, now we're going to film a scene where you take off your coat and hang it on the coat rack.
2: They're like, <laughs> we're getting her for minimum wage. We are putting her in every scene possible. I think possible. you
4: mean like in a minimum rate, right? Like not literally minimum wage. No, I think wage. it's kind of
2: minimum wage. Okay. I, I think she was getting four seventy-five an hour <laughs> Okay, here's the deal. If Sanderson downgrades the bonds, the stadium financing collapses. But the son of a bitch is on trial for murder, and they're still able to close this deal? Right. And they're like, where do we sign? He might be going to jail, but we're going to break ground tomorrow.
4: Which is hilarious in retrospect, because there's still no is no giant stadium in Manhattan, <laughs> and it's 2018. <laughs>
2: I think, Aaron, that's probably the last uh, loose end, which is- how the hell do they end up getting the money to build this if it's all about this guy's reputation? He apparently gets someone to murder Sanderson to you know, strengthen his public
5: image and to get the financing, but he's on trial for murder. You don't get lower than that. No, in, a, in an episode, they should just call it Loose Ends. Honestly, that should be the name of the episode, not Empire. <laughs> that that was, hyster- I, <laughs> was hysterical. Come on, he's sitting out there, he's shaking hands. I'm like, you just got convicted of murder. Now he'll
2: be fine. He's going to be giving everybody tickets.
4: Yeah, he seems to be giving those out left There's and right, right? 10. You want
2: opening day? I got you. Yeah,
4: well, yeah. What is
5: the celebration? I mean, he got the deal, but he was convicted of murder. You're you're going to jail in Oh no, he isn't. I know it might not be right now.
4: It might be in a couple years. Oh, you know he's not. True. He's
5: going on appeal. That got kicked so fast.
4: <laughs> oh,
2: he arranged the murder of somebody else with Viagra. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. I mean, they were so powerful they could get the grand jury dissolved at first. I don't see how he ends up spending any time in jail. Grandpa
4: Gilmore is an outstanding attorney. I mm-hmm. just want to say he like tore everybody apart on the stand. He got Katrina Ludlow to admit that her real name was, shock of all shocks, Catherine McGurk,
3: <laughs> which I guess is supposed to be like,
4: like the most objectionable name ever. No, She's someone
2: like, from Versa, so
4: so like afraid to let people know her name was Catherine McGurk. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha.
2: So the the very last scene, this coda, is with uh, Julia Roberts and Benjamin Bratt on the, on the stairs <laughs> of the the courthouse, where she looks deep in his eyes and says. I'm going to go get my Oscar, good luck with Miss Congeniality.
3: (laughs) You don't get it, Curtis. A hundred years from now, we're all ashes and dust, and no one will remember who slept with whom and who was naughty and who was nice. They'll look at that incredible piece of steel and concrete and know that I was a part of it.
1: Part of the first public building named after a convicted murderer.
3: Hardly the first. The Pantheon? The Temple of the Vestals, they all have the names of emperors over the door. And talk about murderers.
1: Pro bono publico, right?
3: Relax, Ray. The Empire isn't going to fall tonight. Go on.
4: Go home to your wife. <laughs> Go home to your wife, Ray.
5: <laughs> the Empire's not going to fall overnight. That's thats what I remember from that, that speech. Although I think good luck with Miss Congeniality would have been a lot funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Again, I you know, I I don't want to be too effusive, but I really like what they were able to get out of Benjamin Bratt with having his girlfriend on the <laughs> they set. They
4: were able to get out of. Yeah. It. Yeah, it's like
2: it's like we have to find a way to motivate the son of a bitch. I know. Let's bring his A-lister girlfriend come on and he'll be embarrassed if he doesn't do well.
4: Too bad Serena Sutherland never had an A-lister partner they could bring on set to help her out, eh? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) I mean, for all of the plot holes, I think that the writers gave these two actors... You know, enough to work with, you know, uh, that they tried to elevate what they were usually capable of.
5: Uh, yes, I, I think while Julia, Julia Roberts showed up, she didn't even read her lines. I mean, she probably just looked at the paper two minutes before they started, and she's like, I got this. I got, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to get an Oscar. I had been nominated. She would get one later. She doesn't need to worry about it. Benjamin Bratt probably studied for weeks <laughs> just to get any of this performance. But what did you guys coach. get from the end of it? Do you feel like she she was genuinely interested in him do you feel like she was just letting him know i played you i don't i'm quite i'm kind of confused in terms of their conversation at the end is she just throwing it back in his face or does she genuinely want him to understand where she's coming from
4: i think the reason you're confused is because they have no chemistry on screen. (laughs) And I think it's supposed to be written in such a way that we are supposed to believe he was tempted and that she wanted him and that because he's so self-righteous and always has to do the right thing, that too bad you didn't get any of this. Go home to your wife, Ray. I think that's what it was supposed to be. But since they have no chemistry... It doesn't really come off as anything. So
2: let's sum this up. In one episode, Julia Roberts not only kills a man with Viagra, but she also kills Benjamin Bratt's career.
4: (laughs) (laughs) He did go on to do those miscongeniality movies after all. Come on.
5: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With twenty-four-seven access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.
0: Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's Best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number 1 eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.
2: Alright, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines.
0: You think you know who did it. You think
5: you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. You don't from
1: the this episode is inspired by the failed attempt by George Steinbrenner and Donald Trump to bring a new baseball stadium to Manhattan. For years, the ball club owner complained that traffic and parking around the legendary Yankee Stadium was horrible and threatened to move the team out of the Bronx. By the mid-90s, Steinbrenner had rejected 13 public proposals to upgrade neighbourhood infrastructure in exchange for staying in the house that Ruth built. Around this time, Steinbrenner approached Trump about helping finance a $1.5 billion domed stadium on New York's west side. To get the political support needed, they went to then-mayor Rudy Giuliani, a lifelong Yankees fan. Giulione supported the proposal, warning the storage franchise would move out of New York altogether if they couldn't get a modern ballpark. Under Giulione's plan, the new stadium would be financed almost completely by taxpayers, but other city officials decreed the deal as corporate welfare. The Manhattan Stadium project withered and died on the vine. Steinbrenner eventually built a new Yankee Stadium next to the old one. Steinbrenner then died in 2010, leaving control of the ball club completely to his son. Hmm. Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani continue to work together today. <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 nice <laughs> coda. Very yeah, nice. Yeah,
2: and
1: they, they do work together.
2: Okay, <laughs> Rebecca, you're from New York. Yes. If the problem is traffic and Parking in the Bronx. How is Manhattan an improvement?
4: Exactly. I never believed, and I think many New Yorkers never believed the story about traffic and parking. Although it was terrible, traffic and parking everywhere though is terrible. Uh, but I really think it was a class issue. I don't think George Steinbrenner liked. The franchise being associated with the Bronx, which is not the most storied bureau, uh, sorry, uh, borough of New York City. And I think it was a prestige move to try to get the Yankees to come to Manhattan Island. There have been many proposals over the years for sports teams to uh, be on Manhattan. But as you know, there ain't a whole lot of space.
2: <laughs> no, it's true. It's Yeah. Uh, Aaron, are you a ball fan by any chance? Uh, Football, not baseball. No. Oh, so you were really hoping that uh, Julian Spector Stadium would have been built, so
5: the Giants could come back. Absolutely, I wanted that to. I was really excited. I'm like, if if he can't make this happen, I will kill some more people with Viagra. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: Chicago, where you are recording this from, has seen its controversies with public financing of ball stadiums. Mm -hmm. As this debate goes on. Should taxpayers support private businesses' efforts to build new stadiums? What do you think?
5: It's a catch-22 because it does bring in tons of revenue to the city. It brings in a lot of tourist dollars. I I don't see a problem with using tax dollars to subsidize it, but pay pay for it entirely, no. So I I do think there should be some kind of mutual – Agreement and and maybe coming meeting halfway fifty percent something along those lines because citizens will benefit from that people in the city will benefit from that businesses everyone will benefit from the city and being there and you getting the sports teams and bringing in all that all that product and all those dollars but all the way I think is a little little much to ask
2: Rebecca can't the argument be made that as an economic development benefit that ensuring redevelopment of an area and the associated economic activity around the facility I mean I think isn't that a, a good
0: investment?
4: Yeah, but look who's using it, right? So the real story there was about the Yankees, but in the fictional story and in many stories that have played out across the country, we're talking about NFL teams, right? The big, mm-hmm. the big surge in these buildings, these very fancy football stadiums. Guess who doesn't pay any tax to these municipalities or to states or to the federal government? NFL teams—they are tax exempt, They're
2: nonprofit.
4: So yep. if there were a way for the league and the teams to have some skin in the game and to be among those taxpayers who had to share some of the burden, I think it would be a more fair case. I understand why there's so much pushback against it.
5: One could argue that the NFL takes a need of taxes.
4: Oh, ouch.
5: (laughs) (laughs) What a burn. I was pretty proud of that. What a burn. That is going
2: to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Aaron Peterson. Aaron, where can our listeners follow you online?
5: You can follow me at The Hollywood Outsider at TheHollywoodOutsider.com. I do the Blacklist Exposed that I already mentioned, and a new podcast called Smirk that's available at SmirkPodcast.com. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you?
4: Well, they can listen to Crime Writers On, our other podcast, or you can follow me on Twitter. And Instagram at RebLavoy.
2: And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at at These Are Their Stories podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys, line editing by Henry Lavoie, content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn Handles Promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to LawAndOrderPodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, studio. And is a production of Partners in Crime Media.
0: In in crime. Crime media. whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day eggs are a staple in our diets egglands best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25 percent less saturated fat not only are they better for you but egglands best eggs taste better too there's a reason that they're america's number one eggs Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.